You know, in an in age of uh, digital everything, I like, um, I like using an actual Bible that I can hold. And uh, I've had this Bible since I first was ordained in the Covenant Church, so for about 10 years now. And just in the last couple of weeks, I had the first thing happen to it, which uh, at first I was tempted to kind of like tape it up and, and be like, oh no, it's sort of falling apart. Then I, I realized, well, that's actually a good sign. That means it's actually being used and not gathering dust. So I think I'm going to kind of lean it, leave it like this. Um, we're continuing this week in uh, a tour this month through the book of Daniel in the Old Testament. And that follows what we focused on last month, which was the book of Esther. And when we started Daniel last week, we discovered in chapter 1 that it focuses a lot on reminding us that our core identity of people, regardless of all the other things that identify us and make us who we are in this world, our core identity as those who follow Jesus is as a child of God. That we are declared to be children of God and members of his people. Thus we are under God's protection and subject to his power. For Daniel and his friends that are living in exile in Babylon, the most powerful empire of its day, every day was hard for them in different ways. As foreigners in the land, they were forced to make faithful compromises every single day to say yes to some things, to say no to other things. Some of the things that they said yes to were learning more about the culture that they were living in. Last week we said that Daniel and his friends were there for 66 years before all of this happens. One of the things that Daniel took a stand on last week in chapter 1 was he did not want to eat food from the king's table. There were a variety of reasons that potentially it would be Related to, we talked about a lot of those different particular reasons. But in this area, he is standing firm. Now in chapter 2, we start to see their identity as God's children being tested in new ways. If the Lord God Almighty is truly their God, then will they be able to stand up under pressure? If God has gifted them in all manner of ways, as it says in chapter 1, with wisdom and understanding. And in Daniel's case in particular, the ability to understand dreams and all manner of visions. Then now when they are put to the test, will they be able to stand up as God's people? It's easy to say you're for something when there's no pressure. It's a whole lot harder when your very life is on the line. Now for many people, our lives are not regularly on the line, but we might be in situations where we are forced to say, yes, I belong to Jesus. Chapter 2 is an exciting section of the Bible. You know, sometimes we're under the, uh, we're guilty of 
believing that the Bible doesn't have a whole lot to say about Jesus until we get to the New Testament. But this chapter, let me tell you, is God part of God's secret weapon. The way that God works in the world, especially for the areas of the world that do not yet believe in him and have not bowed to his authority. Daniel chapter 2 is one of those chapters. In dramatic fashion, God actually announces victory from a point of weakness, not from a point of strength. He announces it exactly when his people are suffering in exile and have a shaky, uncertain hope for the future. My friends, this is a foretaste or a taste of the good news to come that we most directly see through Jesus Christ, through and in Jesus Christ. So what might this chapter have something to say to God's people today? Let me read a few verses from the beginning of it. Chapter 2 of Daniel. This is Nebuchadnezzar's dream. This is Nebuchadnezzar is the king of Babylon. In the second year of his reign, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. His mind was troubled and he could not sleep. Anyone know the feeling? Yeah, different times. Maybe not so much in verse 2, hopefully. So the king summoned the magicians, enchanters, sorcerers, and astrologers to tell him what he had dreamed. When they came in and stood before the king, he said to them, I have had a dream that troubles me and I want to know what it means. Maybe you've had a dream that you want to know what it means as well. Or maybe it's just a mashup of everything that happened to you in the previous week and it makes no sense, or you only remember it for a few moments. But this dream in particular is a vivid one for the king. Then the astrologers answered the king, as good yes men will do, and say, may the king live forever. Tell your servants the dream, and we will interpret it. The king replied to the astrologers, this is what I have firmly decided. If you do not tell me what my dream was and interpret it, I will have you cut into pieces and your houses turned into piles of rubble. Whew. You can imagine the sweat start to pop on the brow in this very moment. He's looking for a mind reader. He's looking for a mind reader. But if you tell me the dream and explain it, you will receive from me gifts and rewards and great honor. So tell me the dream and interpret it for me. Once more, they replied. Remember, when the king says something, it is. So they say something a second time, which is very unusual to say something a second time to the king. Let the king tell his servants the dream and we will interpret it. Then the king answered, I am certain that you are trying to gain time because you realize that this is what I have firmly decided. If you do not tell me the dream, there is only one penalty for you. You have conspired to tell me misleading and wicked things, hoping the situation will change. So then tell me the dream, and I will know that you can interpret it for me. The astrologers answered the king a third time. There is no one on earth who can do what the king asks. In this, they're actually right to a degree. No king, however great and mighty, has ever asked such a thing of any magician or enchanter or astrologer. What the king asks is too difficult. 
No one can reveal it to the king except the gods, and they do not live among humans. As kings, especially in the Old Testament, but also today, are wont to do, it says the king, this made the king so angry and furious that he ordered the execution of all the wise men of Babylon. So the decree was issued to put the wise men to death. Men were sent to look for Daniel and his friends, because remember, they are included among the wise men of Babylon and his friends to put them to death. So, so far, how is this a taste of the good news to come? I'll save you the thinking trouble. It's not quite yet, although there are little hints of it in there. We know that this scene shifts to the king's wild whims, asking them to do what actually no one on their own can do, unless they wildly guess right. I won't read the whole dream and interpretation to you, but when you read this a little bit later today, or even right now if you want to, you will know that there is no way that you would ever guess this particular dream, let alone the interpretation. You can bet all of them started to sweat, mouths went dry, and they're thinking, I am a dead man walking. The king sees through their feeble attempts and explodes in anger. Finally, Daniel enters the scene. He and his companions will suffer the same consequences as these men. Let me read verse 14. When Arioch, the commander of the king's guard, had gone out to put to death the wise men of Babylon, Daniel spoke to him with wisdom and tact. Not just knowing the right thing to say, which God had already given him, or the right understanding, which God had already gifted him with, but also with tact. That one thing that sometimes eludes us or me last Wednesday after a few days of not eating. Tact, the thing that tends to get us into more trouble. Even when we know what the right thing to do or say is, we don't always say it in the right way that can be received. Daniel, in this moment, does the opposite of that we sometimes do. He speaks with wisdom and tact. This is the moment where I'm actually amazed by him. Most of us, when our life would be on the line, we would panic. We might even run away or try to hide or escape. Yet in this moment, something within Daniel, maybe a combination of the gifts that he's received from the Lord and also some of his own upbringing, it kind of comes together or coalesces into a kind of boldness that we don't always see in the moment. He speaks to the commander, the very man who has the power of his life in his hands. And in that moment, he expects that God will give him both an answer and the words to say. And it raises a question for all of us to reflect upon. I put it on the back of our bulletin today. What do I tend to do when facing difficulty? Certainly not always do I respond with wisdom 
let alone tact. And maybe Daniel didn't always respond this way either. In this moment, he does. This is a question that maybe you need to think about for yourself. These difficult moments can reveal our natural tendencies or patterns in life. Sometimes they're good things and sometimes they're not such good things. They can also reveal how we are being transformed by the power of God. What we do or say or how we are when under pressure, when facing difficult moments. These moments show our strengths and our weaknesses. Daniel gets the story from the commander. Somehow the commander is able to do this, give him the right information. What does Daniel do? He does another unthinkable thing. He goes right to the king, something you do not do. You do not approach the king. You wait for the king to summon you. Again, a bold, albeit risky move. But in all of this, we see the hand of God at work. You see, Daniel asks for time to interpret the dream, and somehow, I believe through the power of the Spirit, the king is predisposed to listen in the midst of his anger. God's earlier gift of Daniel to the ability of understanding all manner of dreams and visions will now be put to the test in real time. Here we see the active work of God, not just in the big sweeping scope of history, but in the lives of his people. In those moments where they most need his help. There's a couple of things that I see so far that actually lead to a dramatic result at the end of this chapter. A moment later on in chapter 2 where we see the complete power and presence of God at work. Right after this moment, the first thing that Daniel does is something that he doesn't do. He doesn't act alone. You see, he asks for time from the king. He buys a little bit of time. And then instead of going right into trying to interpret or understand what this dream is, you see, he doesn't even know what the dream is at this point. He just so believes that he will be able to do this. It almost sounds ludicrous when we think of it in that way. Daniel doesn't act alone because he knows that this is not a solo effort. He asks for help and involves his closest friends in asking for God to help them. They appeal to God. Let me read verses 17 and 18. Daniel returned to his house. He explained the matter to his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, he urged them to plead for mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery so that he and his friends might not be executed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. It's always wise to ask for help, to ask for the right kind of help from the right particular people. We saw, this, we saw Esther do this when there was a certain step that only she would be able to take in asking the king something. She goes and she speaks to Mordecai and she says, 
please fast along with our people in preparation for this big moment. Daniel here does a similar type of thing, appealing to his closest trusted friends and, say, and says, appeal to the God of heaven for mercy. Think of those difficult times in your life when a hard action was required of you. Sometimes we don't have to think too hard about that. Who or what did you lean into in that moment? Who was there for support? And regarding the second part, if no one comes to your mind, then I want you to look around, or you can even look in your peripheral vision. Some of the people in this space right now can be those people for you. And more than that, should be those people for you as brothers and sisters in Christ. For those who have placed their trust in Jesus, remember that Christ has promised his enduring presence will be with you. You don't have to walk alone, and in this case, you don't have to act alone, even if you are the only one that can take that next step. I want to encourage you that in this season, with whatever the choices or difficult moments that you have in your life, the things that might be ahead for you, lean into the Lord, not away. We already know where that leads when we don't lean into the Lord. It leads nowhere good. Lean into the trusted people that God has placed in your life for their presence, especially when you're uncertain. That's the first thing that Daniel does. He enlists help. He doesn't act alone. Second thing I notice in this, let me read the first part of verse 19. It says, During the night the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision. Reminds us of this, only God can reveal all mystery. Only God can reveal his will, his ways, his purposes. No other person on earth has that unique gift unless God chooses to use them. When God reveals this dream to Daniel, through Daniel's own dream, it actually makes his earlier action even more astounding. That he took that step of faith without even knowing what the dream was, let alone what the interpretation might be. It was an act of bold faith. Sometimes being faithful to God requires taking that first step with total confidence that the ground was, will be there as you move forward without doing this, looking down to make sure first. In this instance, this is what Daniel has done. As the mystery is revealed to him, it demonstrate that, demonstrates that this is what the Lord God Almighty can alone do. Only the one who is in full control of everything can reveal his will. Whether it's for you, for the people around you that you are called to speak truth into their lives, or for even his world. 
as it exists today. History does not unfold by coincidence or fate or strange forces of the planets. All of it is under the control of God by his will and unfailing purpose. And hear me in this, even if we don't understand it, and maybe especially when we don't understand it, what mysteries of his will might God be preparing to reveal to you in this season? You know, sometimes when a mystery is revealed, it's just enough to say, Lord, I know myself, I want to say, well, what does it all mean? And I want to keep, you know, like, pulling that one thread on a sweater, just so I can kind of keep teasing it out, but sometimes it's enough just to say, thank you, Lord, in this one. How does Daniel respond? Let me read the next few verses. Daniel praised the God of heaven. And said, praise be to the name of God forever and ever. Wisdom and power are his. He changes times and seasons. He deposes kings and raises up others. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what lies in darkness and light dwells with him. I love that phrase. Light dwells with him. I thank and praise you, God, of my ancestors. You have given me wisdom and power. You have made known to me what we asked of you. You have made known to us the dream of the king. For you, what acts of praise can you give to God for all that you have already received? What is the result of all of this? In addition to the verse that I listed on the back, uh, verse 47, I want to read a couple others. Right after Daniel gives praise and thanks, he went to Arioch, whom the king had appointed to execute the wise men of Babylon. He said to him, do not execute the wise men of Babylon. Take me to the king and I will interpret his dream for him. Arioch took Daniel to the king at once and said, I have found a man among the exiles from Judah who can tell the king what his dream means. The king asked Daniel, also called Belteshazzar, are you able to tell me what I saw in my dream and interpret it? Daniel replied, no wise man, enchanter, magician, or diviner can explain to the king the mystery he has asked about. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. He has shown King Nebuchadnezzar what will happen in days to come. Your dream and the visions that pass through your mind as you were lying in bed are these. And he goes on to tell him exactly what the king dreamed. What the king may not know at first glance is that what Daniel has just said is basically presenting the Old Testament version of the good news. There is a God in heaven who reveals all mystery. The revealer of mysteries. 
There is a God in heaven, and friends, you are able to call upon this God of heaven. Things around you might seem impossible and hopeless right now. There's a God in heaven who can provide a way, a word of hope, a window into the purpose that he has in mind for you, for those around you, for these communities, for his world. And he will make it clear when you appeal to his mercy. Daniel interprets the dream for the king. And in the future that God presents Through Daniel, verse 44. In the time of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed, nor will it be left to another people. It will crush all those kingdoms and bring them to an end, but it will in itself endure forever. If you have ever doubted that God is truly in control, here is another example. Daniel speaks to the most powerful person in the world, presumably, in this moment, and says there is a greater kingdom that will be coming. The kingdom that Jesus Christ himself announced is at hand and is unfolding in that very moment. Amen. When you start to look, you see Christ in the Old Testament. You see God laying the groundwork for what is to come. This is a word of hope for us today as well. That even as we live under the control of empires, we do so through the eyes of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The the one whose kingdom is eternal and cannot be destroyed or overthrown. What does the king do in this case, King Nebuchadnezzar? King Nebuchadnezzar fell prostrate before Daniel again. This is impossible. This is something totally unexpected. He paid him honor and ordered that an offering and incense be presented to him. The king said to Daniel, Surely your God is the God of gods and the Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries, for you are able to reveal this mystery. If the most powerful person on the planet in that moment, from hum- in human terms, can fall on his face and acknowledge the truth, then we most certainly can and should as well. As we sang, one day, all will. And as we know, one day every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. My friends, as you go through your week, I want to encourage you to continue to seek God and to see the ways that God is and continues to be at work amid all the difficulties and hardships in your life, in our lives, and in this world. We don't know when God's kingdom will fully be unveiled, but we know that it is here now, a foretaste of what is to come, and we are invited to live as the expectant people of God, giving all praise and thanks to the Lord in heaven. We await with anticipation that day. Friends, let's pray. God, we give you thanks.
For you truly are the Lord God Almighty, the revealer of mysteries, the one whom leads us and guides us. And we pray now that you will receive all of our worship. All praise, honor, and glory be to your name now and forever. In the name of Jesus. Amen.